Welcome listeners, this is Jonathan Yamasaki, your host of Go Entrepreneur Yourself. Today, we bring you a local leader all the way from Phoenix, Arizona, <laughs> and we're excited to kind of talk a little bit about his story. So we're a podcast where we bring you entrepreneurs and leaders from all around the world that share their story about adversity, triumph, and lessons in leadership. And the name of this podcast speaks for itself. We do our best to inspire you with this digestible, inspiring advice to really help lift you up and get you to start acting on those ideas that you have and learn about these uh, great raw truths and moments of, of leadership. So we usually interview entrepreneurs, but for today, we're switching it up by introducing Ronnie Morales. So Ronnie Morales, he's a friend of mine from high school, so we met... He's a micro-influencer on TikTok, so he's had he has over 51,000 followers, garnered 1.3 million likes, and he's also started this movement and this great podcast called We Sober Now, and uh, he is a survivor of substance abuse and mental health, and he's a leader in his community, and I'm going to let him take it away to talk more about this, uh, his incredible journey and his story. So first, I usually like to start the interview with asking, uh, running this segment, called Hugh Minutes, just for the audience members to get to know you a little bit. Rapid fire questions is the Hugh Minutes. So the first thing I'll go with is, what is your favorite food? My favorite food is Chinese food. <laughs> okay, okay. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite spot here? Um, Let's see. I love, honestly, there's a spot called Good China on like 83rd and like Glendale. It's so good because it's like a little authentic little spot and... It just always hits so it just hits the right spot every time. You know yeah. I mean? Oh, that sounds good. I gotta check it out. Next question. So what is your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. Well I got a lot of those. <laughs> food. Food is a guilty pleasure for sure. That's definitely it, actually. <laughs> yes. And then uh what is your favorite TV show right now if you're watching anything on Netflix, Hulu? You know what's so funny? I don't watch TV, but I did get into Euphoria. I absolutely love Euphoria. Yeah, you fell for it. No, I did. It, uh, it looks like a good show. I haven't got into it because I'm a big fan of Zendaya. Um, and then uh, if you can tell us one animal that you could be real or, you know, majestic, an urban animal, anything, what would that be and why? A mermaid because <laughs> is that an animal? <laughs> well, yeah, a mermaid because I, I honestly just relate to a little mermaid a lot and I love the ocean and I just think they're so like exotic swimming in the water heck yeah i wish there were, i wish there were real mermaids you know it took it was literally just like a day ago that i nor i didn't know uh, what is it narwhals the whales with the i didn't know they're actually real I, di I didn't know that either there's a unicorn like whale out there i didn't know they were actually real so i feel so dumb when i found out like well, those are real unicorns real i wish <laughs> they got a lot a lot of animals in the sea awesome yes final question is what do you what do you think is something that a lot of people disagree with you on but you like just very opinionated and strong with this topic oh my god there's a lot i think two that come straight to my head are that being gay is a choice um similar to that that being an addict is a choice and those are very like black and white statements but i think like i think with a lot of things there's a lot of layers to things so i don't think it's necessarily a choice um, to be, well, especially being gay. Um, <laughs> trust me. 
Thank you. Well, that was Humanist with Ronnie Morales. So, Ronnie, walk us through your backstory. Talk to us. Take us through the journey, maybe after high school or if the journey started in high school. A little bit about yourself and, and kind of how you came to be with We Sober now. Yeah. So, honestly, I ever since I remember, like, in school, I was always the honor roll kid, president's list. I, like, hardly got in trouble um high school i came out as gay to my best friend who was not really my best friend now but we still talk um, but she was my girlfriend for like five years um but high school is when i came out and just became sort of comfortable in my own skin um and then i graduated high school went to college met some guy and got into a really like mentally and physically a not so healthy relationship which included drugs and alcohol but everything really started for me uh when i got in a car accident and they prescribed me percocet for like two to three months i got in a really bad i still have like burns and my back still kind of sucks from it anyway they prescribed me percocet and i just remember like i, I literally flew out of my car and uh Holy shit. yeah <laughs> blood everywhere and i was just in panic mode and in that moment like i was just frozen right but then they rushed me to the hospital and gave me opiates i didn't connect the dots at the moment but i i'll never forget getting out of the hospital that day how amazing i felt like all of a sudden all of my insecurities all of the anxiety all of my worries mm-hmm. just became they were basically not there anymore and now looking back i know it was because the opiates had like given me too much dopamine in my head and i fell in love with the feeling from there i just didn't know yeah so then to kind of let our audiences know a little bit about opiates opioids like tell them a little bit about that and talk to us through that process of like what started that addiction of wanting to go back to it realizing sort of the difference of Kind of like it's it goes away, right? Like that those the insecurities, all those feelings, and how that was like something that lured you to continue to use it. Yeah, because I I think it was just the first moment in my life that I didn't feel like fearful of anything, and I felt powerful. And it and it was and it's a type of power that you feel like in a very like appropriate way. Like I wasn't like like when I was basically getting high off these pills. Like I wasn't like. Like, you know, when typically when you think of someone that's like abusing drugs, you think of like, no offense, but like people that are struggling at the gas station and asking mm, for money yeah, and acting a fool. Um, but me, you couldn't really tell because it just everything that I was feeling was inside of my brain. So it just mm. basically made me feel confident yeah. and love myself to a crazy extent. So that's the feeling I chased. And mm. they stopped my prescription after two months. By that point, my body was physically dependent on them and my mind had like basically fell in love with that feeling of dopamine so think about that right so all of a sudden after two months i the prescription stops the chemicals in my brain immediately go down so all the happy stuff that i was feeling just dramatically declines and then my body starts physically withdrawing so then i start shaking i start shitting all over the place uh and uh just it, it's like the flu times a million like it's a physical withdrawal from an opiate is so it's probably one of the worst experiences of my life mm. so then anyway so 
I was withdrawing. I didn't know I was withdrawing. I just thought I was sick. And then what is withdrawing too? Like that's a good keyword yeah. for our audiences to know what that means in that space. So yeah, so when you're physically withdrawing, and basically it's your body reacting to the absence of the substance, right? Mm. So you can have withdraw even from caffeine, nicotine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in this relationship. <laughs> relationships, <laughs> yes, you can uh, actually with it's. I've seen stuff that you can withdraw from like a relationship because again, your body, your mind become accustomed to having that interaction that dopamine and all of a sudden it goes down mm. so like your body just chemically just starts producing less dopamine and serotonin and it, you go through a shock so yeah it's not fun <laughs> and then once you kind of gone through that process of being addicted you mentioned earlier in the humid segment kind of like how it's choice right mm. like have drug uh using drugs and doing that is a choice but when it deals with like the chemical in your body, how do you manage to overcome that hurdle of like, no, I could, I control my day. Like I can actually make decisions upon myself. And how are you successful in those emotional highs and lows of becoming sober, getting away from drugs? Yeah. So now that I'm sober, I've had to basically go from numbing my feelings and producing synthetic uh, happiness in my brain to feeling everything straight ahead and raw and it's been challenging so the thing that helps me uh, cope with that is connection and that's like with friends or like family or people like me and honestly a lot of what has helped me has been things like therapy and inner work because those are ultimately what I honestly feel the reason that I fell in love so much with the drugs was because I've been in so much pain for the for a lot of my life and I didn't know why and finally I've, I had found a substance that like just erased all that mm. so those are the things that help me like just stay put and um, make it manageable <laughs> yeah yeah if you're comfortable sharing what is some of that pain you went through in your past that has helped do you mind sharing with us some of that that felt that the drugs helped to alleviate mm-hmm. yeah so now that I'm sober and I've gone to therapy, inner work and stuff like that, I've been able to put the words to the feelings. So I honestly didn't realize how significant my dad leaving me in an apartment at five years old was and how that has fueled a lot of the ways I interact with people today and why I always feel I'm not good enough or I feel like I... I'm going to be left by like a romantic partner or something. I didn't realize that. And that's like one example of like a pain that has carried on, right? Like, and at the time though, like while I'm in high school or like while I'm going through life, I I don't know that. So when things like that happen, it it feels so intense. But now that I'm sober and have like looked into that, like I'm able to at least understand why I'm feeling the way I am right and honestly even being gay being gay has probably been one of the hardest things now not really because times have changed but being gay was so I was bullied so much in elementary school middle school like I would get chased by guys and they would like like try to beat me up they would I remember in primary school I was in Cordova school I don't know if you know that yeah I know Cordova I went to Cordova yeah 
I remember these boys just threw me against the wall and just started like beating my ass for being gay. And it's like growing up with all these messages, right? My dad leaving me and then these kids beating me up and then at home being looked at like being gay is wrong. All these messages I'm receiving are like, you're not good enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think that is the major pain that I have gone through life trying to like mask through a lot of things specifically drugs yeah and that's difficult like especially coming from latin american families machismo mm-hmm. uh, machisma and then growing with the traditional you know sense where even now it's thing it's getting better there's still work in progress but seeing somebody identify as gay is something that is still kind of a taboo to family still something that a lot of families are learning and even like i went to cordova so i know exactly how the people were about mm-hmm. those sort of things so kind of it's almost like someone's crushing your own self-identity you're not able to really feel like you are a person and you you start to question yourself and you start to feel like kind of an imposter in this body and you don't really understand that i mean you're beautiful for who you are and what how you came to be and being pushed that way especially like um not having a father at at a young age could really push you to that so like for where you're at now like i want to say that's that's amazing that you have overcame so much so like like no seriously because like like i i grew up with a father but it's one of those things where he abandoned me too around like middle school at sixth grade and and it's tough because he was also that father that was there physically but not always there emotionally not there to kind of support me in my growth and like it's crazy how tough you are because you had to figure it out on your own how to sort of metabolize and understand your own emotions because no one ever taught you and that's like the hard part especially when you know, this is a drugs. There's this things that really make you feel good because everything of us in fucking life sucks. When was it that moment when, okay, this is enough. Like this drug is really bad for me. It got me to that point, that breaking point where I need to step away from this because this is not who I am. I'm a person and I have an identity. And by the way, how, how long are you, have you been sober for? I've been sober for two, almost three years. I'll have three years in uh, September, September okay. 19th. Yeah. Three years? Okay, That's a miracle, up. let me tell you, because I've been struggling for a minute, okay? So you asked me when I when I had like an epiphany of like, yo, I got to stop, right? So I will say too, the first, first time was when I lost my radio job and TV job. Um, I will never forget when they it wasn't directly because of the drugs but because i had prioritized the drugs i lost a job mm. um and i that i had also made that job my identity like that was who i was so when i lost that i'm like oh my god i'm doing something wrong at the same time my best friend at the time stopped talking to me because i obviously was not doing so well i had lost my apartment and for the first time ever i had failed courses like that was a big deal to me <laughs> like when i had failed i will never forget logging into the asu portal thing and seeing f d oh my god (laughs) and i was like what is wrong with me i don't know maybe you're like going to the plugs house and not showing up to class and not turning in your assignments you know what i mean so that was like the first moment that i was like i really have a problem Mm -hmm. but it took a lot of years after to like actually (laughs) maintain sobriety and i think it was the last time was i was driving home drunk i had smoked a lot of weed and done a couple pills 
And like I was in a situation in a profess in a professional setting, technically not professional, but I was so heartbroken. And I was driving home and I just remember talking to God and I was like, I just can't do this to myself anymore. Like I'm like if it's not the drugs, it's like men. And if it's not that, it's like validation from my job. Like I just want to stop putting my life on hold for everybody else but myself. And I said, God, please help me. This will be the last time that I ever put a substance in my body. I didn't believe myself. I said, bitch, you're drunk. <laughs> bitch, you're drunk. <laughs> it's, a liquor, it's a liquor talking. Um, but I got home and it stuck through. And ever since then, like I've been, which is like a little over it's almost three years ago. Uh, I've I've stayed sober, and it's a miracle because I tell you, I've tried a lot of times, <laughs> and and I haven't been able to. So that's those are two moments for me. Yeah, and then like now that you have been sober for almost three years, for maybe people out here, are listeners that are trying to get sober or are in in that path of still addicted with something. How can a person, a friend, what kind of advice would you give someone to become, I don't know what it's called, an ally, maybe to support you through the journey of becoming sober? Because the culture, like, it's hard. Like, there's people are drinking and people are smoking weed right now. And uh, there's a lot of conversations that can be brought up with that, how that could lead to drugs, whatever the case may be. But, like, how can someone be supportive if someone's for, for to a friend that's trying to become sober? That's a really good question because if you are an ally, shout out to you because I think if you are a friend of someone who's struggling with addiction, just be prepared to get disappointed and go through a roller coaster because they are prioritizing the substance. So that's my first advice to you and tough love. So the advice I give is tough love and by that I mean uh, setting boundaries with them, like being there for them. Not with money, not with rides, not with uh, cash, like none of that. Like be there for them. Like, hey, I'm down to be here for you if you need to talk or if you want to look for a meeting or if you're down to go to detox or if you just need me to be there just to be there. Um, I think that's like the best way for someone to be a friend for someone who's in active addiction because it's tough, man, to be an ally. There was this article that I was reading, I think it was like Vice or somewhere, and um, this person just wrote a hilarious response. It was a person that's sobering for probably like 12 years or for a really long time, and it was saying, uh, they titled it, please never ask or say these things to me again. And I'll tell you some of the things, and tell me like, I, I love your like reactions and your responses to some of those, and what you think about these things. So like, oh my god, is it okay if I drink? So like, this when my friend comes over, right? Or... You're still not drinking? Good for you. Why don't you drink? Do you think you'll drink again? Do you miss it? I can never quit drinking. Like, that's something I can't do. So, like, what do you do mentally to kind of help you prepare to for some, in that being in that environment, that culture? Because I'm sure some people just stay away from it. Some people are with friends that, like, are protective of them. And to advice to those that are maybe with friends, like, what should you say and not say? <laughs> that's true. So... Let's say you have a friend that's like fresh out of rehab, probably not the best choice to invite them to a New Year's Eve party where everyone's getting fucked up. 
But also, like, for me, I, I think it gets a little awkward because I go to work meetings a lot and, like, work dinners, and they act a little awkward when they're ordering their drinks with their food. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, don't worry. I got this. So I, I think just for the person that's in act, who's in sobriety, I think it's important for them to be accountable and responsible and understand that at the end of the day, it is their responsibility to put something in their body. You know what I mean? And like, we shouldn't try to dictate what anybody else is doing. But for me personally, like I probably wouldn't be hanging around a trap house where people like are shooting up uh, meth and heroin. So, but I guess it's like, like the drinking for me, I'm a little more comfortable with it now, but I will tell you, we had a holiday party like two years ago Mm -hmm. and they were all just so drunk. And I could just tell, you know, when people are drinking and like, you could see the switch when the alcohol starts hitting. Yeah. After like midnight or something like, cause they, they just start getting all loopy and like, Oh my God, I love you, Karen. Yes, girl. Start taking off their clothes. And I'm just like, wow. Well, I am just here eating my uh, taco and uh, drinking some Sprite while you're over there uh, just doing the most. But that was a little overwhelming because I I was able to see the dopamine switch on somebody. Like it's something that I won't be able, and I choose not to be able to experience that like instant gratification. Like I know something that's going to help my mind, like ease out. Like I just have to like wait. Yeah, and especially since you're getting away from that because it's like uh, you're choosing the path that like is hard and it, but it's genuine, it's real, right? Like a lot of times we see people at parties like it, it's not. I, I I think it's like a spectrum, honestly, like an addiction thing, right? And where for people to just you know grab a beer, like they can enjoy themselves, right? Everyone has a choice to what they ever want to put in their body. That's fine, but like there's times when I've seen like people start kind of swaying a little more to the addiction where they'll just get one because of stress or because of certain things. And Mm -hmm. that would make them feel better. And for you to take that path, that's commendable because it's, it's hard. It's not easy to find things. So like, what do you think are some things to help you with that, to help you cope with bring some of that dopamine back or, or like help you feel good uh, when being in those environments? Cause I've, I've heard different things is some people, when they see it at that point, they know they got to leave. Because they know themselves, they get fucking, they get annoyed. They're like, I don't want to be here because I know it's it's triggering, for, or not triggering, but it's like a um, some people could feel envious, or some people could be like, yeah. So if I'm at a party and people are drinking, I'll just try to dance um, or talk to people, or I, I definitely still smoke nicotine. Like that's definitely a, a socially <laughs> acceptable thing that I do. Um, but yeah, to be honest, like. I get what I get. What you're saying, I guess, I guess I probably wouldn't be there too long. Like if it's like a if they're drinking too much, um, just because I think actually now thinking of it, I'd be like, well, well everyone's drunk and not me. So it's kind of like you know, you know, like if you're like, <laughs> like if you're hungry <laughs> and everyone's just eating like some delicious plates in front of you, you're just like, well, I don't want to be rude here, but um, it's kind of a. <laughs> it's like damn well i'm hungry also. yeah now yeah you're sitting there you kind of want to participate it's like a communal yeah, thing like eventually you'll want to eat a sandwich you know what i mean it's mm. like it's kind of like that yeah and that's how i feel like especially with uh it's tough because i have friends that like smoke weed they love to smoke weed and and i can see it like 
I've had different friends where they're, you know, they're smoking, they're minding their own business, it's fine. And they offer. I have friends that I feel like I can't connect with when they do that because it's like a communal thing. I don't know what it is, you know, passing the blunt. And I feel like it could be, is that similar for people that were addicts and that have do things like that? Is like, because I feel like so that's how you can fall trap into some harder, heavier stuff. Yeah. So the whole weed thing, there's so many layers to that too. Some people actually use it as a form of like a recovery path from like hard drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me, it doesn't work because again, for me, it opens up the, you know, I'm like, damn, maybe I should get a fentanyl. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just yeah. opens up those doors. Oh, okay. But I think a lot of people also are addicted to weed. And I made a TikTok once kind of making I, people were so mad at me because I made a funny TikTok about like a kid going to rehab for weed because like it, it's seen as funny in rehab. Like, what are you in here for? Oh, just smoking some weed. Mm, okay, well, I'm in here for heroin. <laughs> yeah. um, so, but there are people from that experience. I learned that there are people that uh, struggle with that as a crutch. And I and I have talked to a lot of people that smoke weed, and I won't lie. Sometimes, like, because I'm a very like. I would like to think that I'm an emotionally intelligent person. So I do get frustrated. Like if I'm trying to engage with you through conversation and you're just stoned out of your ass, like you can't even, you can't communicate. And like, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well you're just here. Just stoned out of your ass. Yeah. But some people aren't like that. It reacts differently. Like Yeah. Everyone's different. different. Some people are cool with it. And that goes back to the same place where like, after midnight, when if you're at a party, everyone's drinking, everyone's at this whole nother level. It feels like it's there's a disconnect now. Yeah. Um. So I, now I want to talk about like you going through that experience of drug addiction, sober almost for three years now. How you've used and leveraged TikTok as a platform to really be an advocate, somebody that is bringing awareness about mental health and also drug addiction, because. You were on TikTok. I followed you. I love your stuff. Your skits are hilarious. Like what I love about Ronnie is like he's um you really like theatrical. You you just bring out different personalities with your voices, and it's so fun to just watch. Man, I don't have any actors. <laughs> you gotta play them all. Right. <laughs> so talk to us about how you came to how TikTok came into the picture and how you started getting a following. Yeah. So it was by accident. Um, <laughs> like basically, here's a story. So my part, when I met my partner, uh, we would go on little dates and he was always on his phone and he was always on TikTok and I would get really frustrated. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make me a TikTok page so I can show up on your For You page. And that's exactly what I did. It didn't happen real quick. It just happened by mistake because like, I just one, I was like making other type of content like dancing or something. Yeah, yeah. And then one day I was like, let me just do this trend where I talk about my sobriety and it like it got a lot of views and i it's just after that i just started posting more of my journey and like i did get a lot of people like engaging with that and relating to that and it has been a pretty interesting experience because i feel like it's kind of like a a redemption story for me considering like I lost like the radio stuff and now I'm like online creating content mm -hmm. for something that took that away and I think it's in a much more deeper way too like honestly at like 19 and 20 doing uh like radio stuff like it was more so shallow and like vain and now like I really do get something out of like 
helping people and like spreading that like message of recovery. Cause that's actually how one of the reasons I thought about getting sober too, like was through YouTube. Like when I was like in my active addiction, I would look up YouTube videos on like how to detox or how to withdraw. And I would look at those people that were sober and I'd be like, damn, I wish I could be like them. Like, I wish I could just like get to that point where I don't need a substance and now I'm here. <laughs> so it's crazy. What do you have? Like, what are you doing now? What do you have planned for the future? Now I'm doing a lot. I work full time and I'm definitely trying to hustle online with, with TikTok because it has opened so many doors because the recovery community is so unique in the sense that I can go to any state and walk into like a recovery meeting and like I'll know that I'm welcome because we share that same like community and fellowship Mm -hmm. so with TikTok it made that even bigger because now I have people that know me and are my friends like all over the world like Canada the United Kingdom and stuff like that so I mean I was flown out on a plane to make TikToks and that experience to me was the coolest because they paid for my hotel, they paid for my flight, they paid for my food. Nice. And it was just so cool. Like, I'm like, I'm really out here. <laughs> I'm like, what this man really want from me? Like, at first, because, okay, let me tell you the really quick. This guy DM'd me on TikTok and he's like, we need to make content now, this and that. And I'm like, okay, I'm down. He's like, yeah, when, when can you get on a plane? Um, well, I have a full-time job, sir. Um, so maybe in like two weeks, he's like, I need you next week. So I had a call in sick and, um, <laughs> I was a little scared because I had never met this man. He flying me out and getting me in a hotel room. And, but we actually did make content. I got a pretty good amount of money. And now, even now, like I'm able to like, I've had like a few, uh, partnerships with like companies to like make videos. And that to me is just so cool because it's like. You know, like I'm getting paid to make a fucking video. You know what I mean? When you make those videos, is it has does it have to do with sobriety? Does it have to still do with your genuine content, like uh, your true self? So now I'm finding out. Yes, because <laughs> I did one that that didn't really connect with, um, mm. but the last two have been definitely core connected to recovery. I think the last one I did was on this like sober dating app. Oh yeah, I saw it on your uh, link tree. Yeah, so that one's really cool because I believe in their message and I think it's really cool to have an app for people that are in recovery so they don't have to like go through that awkward uh, moment at a Tinder date and say, well, uh, I actually don't drink. It's just kind of like out of the way. So And it's hard to have that conversation. Like people are going to naturally say, why? Oh, is it like, like people are curious and mm-hmm. it's it's tough because you have to kind of be like, I know you're only asking out of curiosity, but like. You know, you kind of want to get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, well, I'll save that story for maybe five dates later. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so it's been cool, though. My plans for We Sober Now, I recently started a podcast. And that's been really cool. A learning a learning experience. And I've received a lot of support online with that, which was really surprising. I honestly was just going to test it out because I was like, I don't I don't want to do it really quick. But it's it's worked. I've been able to sell T-shirts. And they're cool. I and seen, cool. I, I seen the merch. It's sick. And I think the coolest thing for me is that these people really do care about me. Like, we sober now. Like, I started it, I guess, organically because I didn't 
I just started making this video saying, we sober now, baby. We don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol. And people just started running with that shit. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should start keep saying it. And like, it, it clicks in the recovery community. So ultimately, my plan with that is to make an outlet specifically for people with language barriers and that are undocumented to get help with detoxes and rehabs mm. because right now for instance the latino community is very underrepresented one because of culture <laughs> just even with mental health so addiction yeah. is just another element and then like having to try to go into a detox and a rehab if you're undocumented or you just can't communicate as mm. well in english it's just a little hard so that's like my, my ultimate goal is to like create a resource for them and just start ending the stigma in the Latin community, which I feel like I've already been doing. One of the cool things I've done also recently is go on Univision sharing my story because Univision and like the Latinos listen to the radio. They, they still do. They, they really still, do. They <laughs> listen to the radio and they watch TV. So when something's on their TV, they're going to watch and just, I think that needs to be out there more because yeah. that's why, like, even in the recovery meetings I go to, there's not a lot of people. And it's, and I really think it's because, you know, the culture and, and that's not, that's not. Yeah. And then culture is seeking help. Like, yeah. Thank you for being so vulnerable today, Ronnie, honestly, mm -hmm. like you sharing your story and, and I am excited and inspired by you wanting to give back to your community and helping those that are dealing with mental health because it's definitely not a topic that it's talked about at home even to this day it's still kind of a taboo and it's up to us right it's up to you to like break that barrier that it's it's okay to talk about that stuff and it's okay you know you don't have to be like ah está bien no, no es yeah. nada or like it's, you're gonna be okay don't worry about it like you just you're just going through a phase or, or something. Or you're just lazy. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's always, oh, you're just lazy. You don't have depression. You're just lazy. Yeah, it's just lazy. You're not detoxing off opiates. You're just a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. And th thank you, honestly, for sharing that. Because there's a lot of people out there that maybe you're tuning in, your community, that, that could really be inspired by that. So now I want to move on to our final segment. And this one's called Mind Your Business. So, okay, Mind Your Business. So... Uh, in this segment, essentially what I do is I ask these questions and these questions come from our listeners, our audience members. I was able to post on some of my socials and I got one, but I added another one for myself. No questions in off limit, off limits, as long as it's respectful questions, but you can ask any questions. I take the burden from you on asking these questions. So I ask it and uh, Ronnie here gets the opportunity to answer on the spot. It feels comfortable or tell me mind my business. So we're going to get started. So the first one came uh, from Ray Goss at Ray Goss and, and it's on Instagram. So he said, who did you hurt the most with your addiction and where is that relationship now? Oh, wow. Okay. So I hurt my mom the most mm -hmm. uh, with my addiction and it's way better now, now that she can leave her purse around me and stuff like that. But that's the person that I hurt the most. And that's why when you ask me, like being an ally for someone in, in active addiction, like it's tough because you have to watch someone you love destroy their life and not only their life, mm -hmm. but everyone around them. Cause I, I think addiction is like a family disease in the sense that if someone is struggling with substance abuse, it, it just takes everyone down, but we're good now. I talked to my mom 
sometimes for hours on the phone now. <laughs> um, and I used to hate it. But now, like, we have a really great relationship. Like, the cool thing, too, is that, you know, my mom, she talks shit about my withdrawal and all that stuff. And she still feels kind of weird about the gay thing and the addict thing. Mm-hmm. But I've had to prove to her that me being so transparent and, and vocal about what I've gone through, like, actually, for her, she sees, like like, the business side. But I see like the people that were helping and like now through actions, she's been able to kind of normalize the whole thing a little more. Like maybe him bouncing his ass on TikTok ain't that bad. Maybe his ass with a wig ain't too crazy. You know what I mean? Cause, <laughs> Cause it's helping people. Yeah. That's beautiful. Oh my goodness. Um, great question. So what did your addiction destroy for you forever? Ooh, that's a good one. Why did my addiction destroy for me forever? My uh, the receptors in my brain, <laughs> <laughs> those are forever damaged. I, I I think I think honestly, yeah, dude. Like going from like I think it really messed up the receptors in my brain to where it's just like you literally go from like feeling. And I don't want to glamorize it, but it's just real, like super blissful and content to like an extent that words can't describe. To like real life. <laughs> and it's like, okay. But although the receptors in my brain are a little damaged, I've learned that I've been able to appreciate little things more. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think gratitude is, su- gratitude is such a powerful thing because when you're in gratitude, like it does things, makes things just seem more, uh, just better you know it's like i used to literally a little over like two or three years ago i was at a trap house with no money a horrible job and now like i have my own place and i have money and i have a relationship with my mom and like i'm not at a trap house like killing myself and i'm online on tiktok like helping people by shaking my ass and making things that i love to do like like i think that's what i'm so grateful for so well, that that's awesome. That well, that was mind your business. Those are the questions. So we so we asked some good ones. Um, close off in the end. Do you have any like last minute words of wisdom or things you kind of want to share to the community, to the listeners out there? Yeah, to everybody, I just want to say that no matter what you go through in life, no matter how painful it is in the moment, no matter how overwhelming it feels, you're gonna get through it. And you're going to learn from it and grow. And there's nothing more beautiful than like growing from something that you thought would be the thing that fucks you up. You know what I mean? Like, I think like we're we're all so powerful, right? And sometimes we get lost in the things that like just make us so sad or we think it's like, oh my God, I'm never going to get over this. I can't make it through. And then you do. And what, what do you get from it? You like you learn and you got through it and like, We're all just so resilient and I want everybody to know that no matter if you're struggling with addiction, mental health, bills, men, women, (laughs) like you're going to get through it, baby. You're going to get through it. Awesome. Thank you, Ronnie. Well, that was Ronnie Morales with We Sober Now. Um, Throw in your plugs, websites, merch, whatever you want to throw in. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag We Sober Now, baby. Hashtag We Sober Now, www.wesobernow.com. And just and just search that. Search my name, Ronnie Morales, on 
all the social medias and hit me up awesome and then don't forget to tune in on apple podcast spotify please feel free to leave us a review that's how the algos work to help us get there reach more people reach more audiences so that they can hear ronnie's incredible story hear about what ronnie's doing in the community our leaders in arizona and all around thank you for tuning in y'all beautiful people have a lovely day bye